Fathers are patient. Fathers are kind. Fathers do not envy. Fathers are not boastful. They are not conceited. They do not act improperly. They are not selfish. They are not provoked. And they do not keep a record of wrongs. Hey, good morning, City Lights. My name is Peyton. I'm the lead pastor here. I'm so excited to be sharing week three of our new series, Love Is. But before we dive into today's message, I just want to take a moment to say Happy Father's Day to all dads out there. That's adoptive dads, stepdads, dads who are no longer with us, those who have stepped in and filled the gap. We're just so grateful for the men of God who step up to impact us in the way that the Father designed. So as I mentioned, we're in a brand new series, Love Is, where we're going through 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is often known as the love chapter. And there's so many different thoughts about what love is. And what we've learned already in weeks one and two is that love is a choice. It's uh, we something we can control. It is something that we can help. And we have to choose love. We have to choose to love God. We have to choose to love Jesus. We have to choose to love our spouses, our kids. Last week in week two, we learned that love is more than romance. A lot of times there's this idea and connotation that when it comes to love, that it is a romantic love, that it involves uh, individual to individual love, people that we know. And we learned through a story about Lawrence McKinney, a man who was wrongfully convicted and falsely imprisoned for 31 years, that love rejoices when truth wins out. And that gives us this, this, this idea and this understanding that love is atmospheric. It's so much greater than any one person or any one couple. And so today on Father's Day, it just lined up perfectly that I think Paul's writing here to the church of Corinth in this love chapter sets up perfectly what it means to be a loving father. And so this morning we're looking at a couple of scripture, and I think it's going to be a relevant message for every dad in here. If, you're a, if your wife is pregnant, if you're a, a father of a newborn, or you're dreaming to be a dad, you hope one day to have your own children, or maybe you're a father whose kids are fully grown, I still think that these scriptures are relevant to you. So this is what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 9 through 11. He said, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. And you must remember that in this writing here, Paul is sandwiched 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right between verse, excuse me, chapter 12 and 14, where he's talking about in chapter 12, he's talking about the diversity of the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to everybody. In chapter 14, he's talking about prophecy, which is a superior gift. And this, the Corinthian church had this idea that um, they wanted all that the Holy Spirit had for them. They wanted all the fullness of God. They wanted these great gifts. But they put their hope and they put a sign of spiritual maturity into receiving these gifts and executing them. But Paul is saying here in chapter 13 that love is the greater gift. And he says that we know in part, meaning our, our knowledge is partial. Even though we have these great gifts, it's only a partial knowledge. He says, and we prophesy in part because we don't understand the whole picture yet. And again in verse 10, he says, but when the perfect come, or when the perfect comes, or when the time of perfection comes, he's talking about the return of Jesus. When that time comes, the partial will come to an end. And so what he's challenging the church with, and what I think is relevant for us today, is that he has these gifts that the Spirit gives to every individual, every believer is extremely important. And we ought to know that the Holy Spirit does give us each a gift. We're really big here at City Lights of saying, hey, if you're going to be on mission with us, then that's got to be your time, your talents, and your treasures. And so part of that, your talent is the gift that the Father has given you. 
And so when, when Paul says that this parcel will come to an end, that this prophesy is only in part, what it's suggesting here is that, hey, listen, these are great gifts and the Holy Spirit gives them to us, but there's something greater. It's love. And even now while we're on these earth, these great gifts that the Father gives us, it's only a partial knowledge of an even bigger picture. And when the time of perfection comes, that is when Jesus comes back to take his children home for eternity, then it'll be made known in full the, the, the majesty, the mystery of Jesus and what we've known and how we've used these gifts to, to fulfill our purpose, but also to execute the plan that God has for each of us. But particularly for today, for Father's Day, I want to just really focus in on verse 11. And Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. And when I became a man, I put aside childish things. What a powerful statement from Paul, who is a man. He is a Christ follower. And I read this verse and I think, man, there's a lot of times, even in my life as a grown man, that there's some still childish things that I do. And I think there's this, always this universal understanding sometimes that men are a little bit quicker to mature than women. And so how relevant it is that Paul gives this bold statement saying, that, hey, when I was a child, I did childish things. But when I became a man, I put them aside. And so this Father's Day, I, I want you all to know as we go into week three that this message is for everybody. It's for the women, it's for the mothers, it's for the daughters. But I really just want to talk to the men that are here today. And for week three, I want to talk to you about love is a man. Love is a man. I think in our society and in our culture, there's this misperception of what a man should be. It's a, a man that's tough, a man that never cries. It's a man that provides. It's a man that maybe isn't sensitive to his children, but he's just a great provider. And I want to be honest with you. I think there's a biblical mandate for men of God, for all men, to be providers for their family. But it's not just in the form of financial provision. I think men are called to be the spiritual leaders of their home. And also what I've learned is if you're going to be the spiritual leader, that means you've got to be the lead repenter as well. You've got to be the one that initiates the forgiveness. You've got to extend it. You've got to ask for it. You've got to admit when you're wrong. And what I think the Bible paints a beautiful picture of is that a man, one is love. He, he can be stern. And he can be hard. And he can be tough to get along with. But what Paul is painting a picture of here is that there's a time for every man to grow up and act like a man. And that's the biblical mandate that we have. That's what Jesus wants. And that's what your family needs. And so I want to share a couple of thoughts with you today about if love is a man, then how does that man love? How does he determine what that love is? How does he diagnose where his own heart is when it comes to love? How do we discover that? And more importantly, how do we live that out? I'm so grateful that I grew up with three men who made an incredible impact on me as a young boy who grew up without a father. I'll never forget guys like Mitch Parker, Roger Phillips, and Brian Tackett. Growing up in the subdivision with other kids my age, I was able to see those three men interact with their kids on a daily basis for years. And I'll just never forget how it impacted me then and how in so many ways that it's carried over now into my adulthood now that I'm a father myself. And I'm so blessed to have two great kids, Harper, who is five, and my sweet baby boy, Jude, who is two. And so I'm just grateful for men like that. I'm grateful now that the Word of God shows me what it's like to be a man and understanding that love is a man. Love is a man. And there are many characteristics and there are many descriptions of what a man should look like in this 
21st century, but I think that we have to let God's Word define that for us. And so uh, just for the next couple moments, I want to share with you three different things that I believe speak about how a man can find his identity in Christ. Because particularly we live in a culture and a society today that men are constantly, along with women, it may even be more harsh and hard for women in some aspects, but there's this, this image that's painted of a man that I'm not even sure that's found in Scripture. And so if you're, if you're watching this message, if you're listening to this message at a later date, and you're a man that's seeking Jesus, you're a father, I just want to tell you and be maybe the first to tell you that your identity is in Christ. It's not in your income. It's not in how well behaved your kids are or how long you've been married or if you're on your second marriage or if your kids are even disgruntled and there's not even a relationship there. Your identity is in the Father, first and foremost. And so I want you to know that, that that's what matters most at the end of the day. And if we understand then that our identity is men, particularly men of God, that our identity is in the Father, then we can move forward with a healthy perspective of what it means to be not just a man of God, but a father and a husband to those whom we love. And so the first way I figure, I really believe that we understand how we can better grasp, grasp our identity and our uh, purpose as a man, as a father, is to look upward. Colossians in the New Testament reminds us that we are to focus on things above not on this earth. And I think that that's such a relevant word even today because there are so many distractions for men. There are so many images. There are so much pressure that most men put on themselves. But it's also because of society. Again, we're called to be the provider. And I think there's a, a biblical principle too that we are to provide for our families. But it's not just in the aspect of finances. It's in love. It's in truth. It's in affection. And I know that's a tough one for men these days, but if we look upward to the Father, we understand that our identity is in Him and that we are to be like Him, then you can't help but see that Jesus was a loving man. He's a loving Savior, but at His time on earth, He was a loving man. He spent time with people He cared with. And sadly, I know men like this. I know men that will become this. I know men that have been like this. There's this idea in today's world that Men are just to be these financial providers, and I've already mentioned it a couple times because I really want to nail down on this and let you know that sometimes there, there are these men that really think that their greatest contribution to the family is finances, and I want to tell you that if you've been gifted to work or you have a good job, you should thank the Lord for that. But I can assure you that your absence in the home is far more costly than the income you bring in. Sometimes men have this idea that my job is just to get up early and go to work and stay home late and make as much money as I can so that my family is taken care of. And I've even heard men say, well, at least my family is taken care of. And I just want to challenge you with that thought today, or this thought that your money is important and your contribution from a financial aspect um, may bring in a lot of help towards your family and they may rely on it um, a lot. They may really depend on what you bring in, but I've never met a woman, I've never met a godly woman who has a godly husband that would say, I would rather have more money than more time with him. And so I want to challenge you, man, that if we look upward to the Father, we see that uh, Christ was, he spent time with people he, he loved. And the picture of him and the 12 disciples is not just about 
discipleship and what Jesus was doing with church leaders, it was also an indication of how we're supposed to spend time with people that we love. And so if we look upward to him, if we focus on what is above and not on what is on earth, then I think we gain a great picture of what it means to be a father and a man. The second thing is, I believe we have to look inward. So when we look upward to the Father, He shows us because He's not the author of confusion. He wants us to know what our purpose is, what our plan is as a man, how we're supposed to be a father. So then we, we look at that diagnostically, what do you want from me, God? And then we do it reflectively, inwardly. So we look inwardly and we just begin to diagnose ourselves. Am I doing the things that God wants me to do? Am I putting away childish things? Am I spending quality time with my family? And I've also learned that quality time means quantity of time. Sometimes men would say things like, hey, I've got the weekends for my family, and that's the best I can give them. And I, I want to say this. I don't want to be insensitive to the man that has to work long hours. I don't want to be insensitive to the man whose job causes him to travel because I understand there are times in life where you do need to work longer hours. There are greater financial needs. So I'm not just talking about to the person who is working overtime every week because they're behind on bills or they're trying to get out of debt. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking to the man who, who chooses basically his job and his career over his family. So I think we look inwardly and we just say, where am I? You know, where am I with this? Am, am I being a good father? Am I being a good husband? And we could really replace, replace that word good with intentional because there are a lot of things that I don't feel good about when it comes to my wife or when it comes to my, my kids. Am I being intentional? Am I loving them the way that the Father wants me to love? And am I looking upward to Him to discover those things? Am I taking those down? Am I looking in my own heart and seeing what matters most? And am I living that out? Again, Paul said, listen, when I grew up, because there's a, there's a point that men have to grow up. At some point, we have to grow up. We have to deal with reality. We have to take care of our responsibilities. We have to handle our obligations. And we do that in a Christ-honoring way. So I think we look upward. That's where we get who we're supposed to be. That's how we understand the love that God has for us and what that love should look like coming from us. So then we take that knowledge, that information, we look inwardly, we diagnose that, we do a moral inventory and ask the Father where we're at. We see what we're strong at, what we're weak at, are we focusing on things that matter the most? And then the last thing is this, I think we live outward. We look upward to the Father to gain all that. We focus our eyes on Him. What we receive from Him, we look at that inwardly to understand where we're at, who we are, what's our mission. And then again, lastly, we live that outwardly. So many men today are caught up in this idea of just being, um, uh, not to drive this into the dirt, but just these providers that really, there's no, there's no time with their family and I think God would challenge you today that he, if you look at him, he is the greatest father. He is the father above all men here on this earth. And he set the example with generosity, with love, with affection, with agape love. We talked about last week, just this unconditional love that is resounding still throughout the world and the universe. And that's what we men of God are to tap into. That's what men who are fathers of children, of daughters and sons, that's what we are to tap into. And that's what we are to live outwardly so that we're setting the example for our children, that we're setting the example for our wives. And 
really, I want us to share with you kind of as a bottom line today that I have no doubt if you ask every man listening to this message, every man in this auditorium, hey, would you die for your wife? Would you die for your kids? I guarantee almost every man would say, without skipping a beat, I sure would. Yes, I would die for my wife. I would die for my kids. And I would too. I would die for her. I would die for Harper. And I would die for Jude. But what Jesus challenges with, what he challenges us with is this. We look at the picture of Jesus. Yeah, he died for us. And I hear so many people say, you know, we're so grateful, God, that you came and you sent your son to die for our sins. And absolutely, without the crucifixion, there would be no hope. But I think we have to even understand before that, that Jesus came and lived for humanity. He left heaven. He came down to earth to live for us. And so, men, I want to challenge you today. That's great that you would die for your family. And I hope that you never have to, to tap into that. But really, the bottom line is this, that many of you would die for your families. But what Jesus wants and what your family needs is for you to choose to live for them today. Choose to live for your kids. Choose to live for your wife. Because they are a gift. They are a gift from God. And we know that time is short. And especially the older I get, I'm understanding that life is precious. And that what matters the most is who I go home with at night. And that's my wife. And that's my kids. And so I want to also just end with this as we begin to close today. I mentioned earlier that I, I grew up without a father and, and that caused a lot of difficulties and a lot of pain in my life growing up and even to my late teens and, and early 20s. And I recall going to see my father on his deathbed. He was at Methodist Medical Center in Oak Ridge, Tennessee at the time. I was in the Army in Fort Jackson, Columbia, South Carolina. Got word from Red Cross that he was dying. Made a, a phone call back home and I was told that Steve Wills wanted to see me. And so I remember driving into to town that weekend as a 21-year-old, basically young kid in the Army. And I went and saw Steve on his deathbed, had an interaction with him and a conversation that I'll never forget. But the last thing, and really the only thing, that Steve gave me was a letter. And on this letter, Steve wrote the best that he could. He was basically hours from death when he attempted to write this letter. And on this letter, the most he can make out is a very hard to read dad. But his sister Kathy was sitting beside Steve at that bedside and she began to pin down exactly what Steve said. It says, Peyton, I'm sorry, be brave. Be brave. Don't be a shit like me. I don't know. I don't know. No father. My son. You're my boy. I'm sorry. Too late. Too late. And I've held on to this letter because for many different reasons. One, it's the only thing I have from him. But it also gives me strength. I no longer read this and find pain or heartache but I find strength to carry on my life because I know that love is a man to be here for my children. Because I don't want to write back at the end of my life, I don't want to write a letter to Harper and Jude and say, I'm sorry, it's too late. So I hold on to this letter to motivate me, to remind me that God has gifted me to be a father. It's a gift to be a father. It's an honor, it's tough, and it's hard work. But I also know at the end of the day that God is calling me to do something greater 
that is to be loving to him, that my identity is in him. And I'm just so grateful that our Father in heaven left us a letter that is the greatest love. There are no apologies. It's not too late. God doesn't apologize for not loving us well. In fact, he tells us how to love perfectly. He sets the example. He tells of his affection for us and is the greatest letter that we have. And so I just want to challenge you as we close today. Men, fathers, your call is to be a loving man who seeks after Jesus. That you're learning from him, that you're looking upward, that whatever you discover there, you take that, you look inwardly, you take that inventory, and then you live that outwardly. Because love is a man. Will you choose to love your family today? Will you choose to live for them in a way that's God-honoring and that your family needs? Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for this amazing love letter that tells us how to love. And equally important, tells us how much we are loved. We're so grateful, Lord, that we can come to this and we can come to particular chapters like 1 Corinthians 13 and understand what it means to, to love and know that it's kind and it's not boastful and that it's a choice and it goes so far beyond romance and that for men, for fathers, there's a time to put away childish things and when we grow up, it's time to act like a man. And for that, it is provision. It is working. It is helping. But it is love. And so may all the men of God here today, may all the great fathers, those fathers who are present and those who have passed, may we choose to love like you do to our families, to our kids, where we live, work, and play. In Jesus' name we pray.